0: My name is Jeremy Allen Gould and this is the Who's to Say podcast. Being a lifelong music and art fan, I was lucky enough to book a lot of bands back in the day and have been even more lucky to stay in contact with many of them. I grew up all over and my love for music and art only intensified the older I got. This podcast are conversations with many artists in many different capacities. Thanks for stopping by and I hope you enjoy what you hear. With that said, who's to say? Welcome to the second episode of the Who's to Say podcast. Today, we welcome Kevin Snow to the podcast. You might know Kevin from the bands Honey Locust and Black Kids. I've known Kevin for many years now, and I feel like he has many cool stories to share from his humble beginnings in a ska band in Jacksonville, Florida to some of the biggest concert venues and TV shows in the world. I hope you enjoy this conversation with the awesome Kevin Snow. So, with that said, Kevin, who's to say? What's up Kevin? How's it going, man? It's good. How are you doing, Jeremy? Good. What's what's new with you, buddy?
1: Uh, not too much. Kids started school and I'm ready for some cool weather.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: It's coming. Ready for the fall. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how, how are you?
0: I'm good, man. I'm just uh, getting done with the work day. Um, yeah, man. Just uh, driving around Jacksonville. So, nice. pretty much it. So, nice. awesome, man. Well, thanks for being on the show. Um, I know we get to see each other quite frequently, but I thought it was cool to have you come on and kind of tell your story. I think that's uh, something. I'm excited to hear, so I know others probably are as well. So tell me yeah. about uh, Kevin Snow growing up.
1: Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on the podcast. It's it's an honor.
2: <laughs> Who's to say? <laughs> Who, Who is to say? say? <laughs>
1: um, yeah, so I'm Kevin. I'm from Jacksonville. Uh, I've got a twin brother. We're identical twins. His name's Keith. And I've got three older brothers. Um, but yeah, so grew up in Jacksonville. My dad—I know we're talking, we're talking about music on the show. My dad was a musician, actually, and had a band. He had a band in Jacksonville in the early '60s called the Vikings.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah, he played saxophone, and my uncle was in the band, he played also played saxophone. But they're this sort of like rock and roll kind of late '50s, early '60s thing, you know. And so they would play these like dance halls and play instrumental music mostly. But one cool thing about that is um, they recorded one record. It was like one 45-inch record, which I have. And um, the drummer on that record was Bush Trucks, who went on to become the drummer of Allman Brothers
2: Band. Oh, wow.
1: So, got a little bit of, like, Jack's musical history heritage. That's really there. cool. Yeah. Sort of a little-known you know, nugget. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, That's really cool. Yeah, so I, you know, so my dad was a musician. He, he kind of, you know, he quit doing that and went into photography, actually. He was a wedding photographer. But um, I grew up listening to like, Oldie Station and stuff like that in his car. So, I have a deep love for like oldies 50s and 60s music particularly and started playing the clarinet in sixth grade which is my dad's clarinet that's awesome i was like you know band kid for for a year there i had a clarinet solo in sixth grade it was
2: awesome (laughs) pretty sure
1: i like squeaked you know at least once but whatever um so i'm just kind of thinking like through the music through like the music filter in this conversation because i know that's primarily what what we're talking about today.
0: What, what um, I guess what, what brought you to drums?
1: Yeah, good question. So um, I only did the clarinet for like a year and then d- didn't really do much with instruments for a couple of years. And then me and my brother, Keith, we got like super into the Beatles. Like we just like took a deep dive, became obsessive about the Beatles and we wanted to start a band. It was like our dream was like be like the Beatles, you know? So um, our dad bought us an acoustic guitar from the pawn shop. And we just, we checked out some books from the library. It was like pre-internet, pre-YouTube. I'm oh. definitely, I'm definitely jealous of like kids now who can just like oh, pop on YouTube and I learn know. anything.
2: <laughs> I know. There's
1: there so much that like I didn't learn until later. It was like, oh, you know, but if <laughs> I, if I, if I had YouTube, actually, quick quick side story like once i was playing drums and my at a show my drums kept sliding around and i didn't even know like drum rugs were a thing oh yeah if like you could stick the rug underneath the drum set yeah keep them from sliding around so i was like man if i had had youtube back then i would have learned that right. really early on <laughs> anyway so my dad bought us an acoustic guitar we got some like chord books from the library and just started teaching ourselves acoustic guitar um and learning a lot of like classic rock leds up on pink floyd stuff like that yeah. And then we got together with a couple of our other friends. We were in ninth grade at this point. Um, and we wanna start a band. And so everybody could do guitar or something like that. Nobody nobody could do drums. But one of the guys' dad had a drum set up in the attic. It was like an old sixties kit. So he pulled it down for us. And we all took turns like playing a drum beat. And uh (laughs) so and basically I was the best one at it. That was it. Like we played uh we played Tom Petty's song, Free Falling, and I was like boom, boom. (laughs) <laughs> you know like a awesome. super basic beat yeah like kevin you're kevin you're the drummer so uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's how i that's how i became the drummer man I, so that's awesome was
0: this was this honey locust or was this be- pre-
1: b- before before okay. honey locust so we started a band it was so we did a lot of beatles covers and like t- some tom petty and stuff like that but we called it a pretty terrible name we called it savoy truffle which is the name of a beatles song written by george harrison it's on the white album yeah that's savoy awesome. truffle it's like pretty it's a terrible band name
0: did you guys um, ever I, play like so Hill?
1: We, so, we played twice once at the um in avondale in jacksonville at the christmas like thing that they do in avondale yeah, yeah, yeah. they yeah, still they do play, it every year
2: thing? yeah
1: yeah so it was like we played just, just some beatles songs um and then we went we played once at my high school stanton college prep school we played like like a homecoming thing or something in the courtyard and our, you know, our friends were cheering us on. We were pretty terrible, but like our friends were cheering hey. us on and like everybody was having a good time, you know.
0: That's awesome. That's really That cool. was like,
1: oh. yeah, like ninth to 10th grade. And um, oh, I was also, my, oh, sorry,
0: I was your that. brother in the band too?
2: Yeah,
1: my brother oh. was in the band. My, my friend, John Beckham, uh, his dad played drums as well. And so he was kind enough to like teach me some stuff. I actually bought my first drum set from him. Nice. I played that drum set for like 10 or 15 years. Um black kids and everything yeah. for the first part of black kids yeah um and yeah so after that so we did that for a while and then after that was honey locust so that was that was like later in high school early college I kind of the timeline is a little fuzzy yeah
0: Yeah. man screaming giant
1: (laughs) yeah yeah so we it was also my brother and I and uh, my friend Reggie Youngblood who later became you know black kids and our friend Owen Holmes, who was also yeah, a black kid. I no, no, I'm sorry. Dude, wow, Owen was on Honey Lucas. Lug- he was in Lugnut. Lugnut. Yeah, sorry, man. Um getting my facts mixed up here. But Honey Lucas and Lugnut put like we played together a ton and tore yes. together. Um Yeah, so basically what happened was in high school we started getting into like Christian punk and ska music. And you know, five iron Super supertones, insiders. It was a thing, you know. If if you were there. You know yep. what I'm talking about. Those, oh, those I was of there. you who are listening right now. I was
0: I was there looking from, from a distance. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: It'll come back around sometime. Every, <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure it every, will. Everything
1: everything everything comes back.
0: I will say but, I will say one of the most one of the loudest concerts that I ever heard in my entire life was mustard plug. Like I yo, saw them okay, with yeah. MXPX and it was insane loud and it was like not uncomfortable loud but like whoa this is pretty heavy loud. And then
2: yeah.
0: I was like, "Eh, I'm over it." <laughs> but anyway, it was it was yeah. cool though. Like I, you know, I saw them in Supertones and I don't know whoever uh, Boss Tones, like all of them at Warp Tours. So I, I definitely nice. knew it. It just never, never, uh, never got my dancing shoes on.
1: You know? Yeah, yeah. It was, I think you had to be right place, right time, maybe the right time yeah. of a person like person or something. I don't know yeah. what, but we, you know, we that flame burned bright and then it like burned out quickly. You know. Yeah, absolutely. But, so we um, so we formed a ska band, a Christian ska band called Honey locust. So with eight of our friends. It was like horn like trombone, trumpet, saxophone. Yeah. Two two electric guitars, bass, um and you know, we started off kind of this sort of supertones type thing, like a little yeah. more two tone like like white button up shirts with the skinny black ties and the sunglasses yeah. kind of thing. And then, as we got exposed to more like punk sounds, we we started trying to do more of that, like faster and yeah, um, more distorted and all that kind of stuff. So we we played at Murray Hill Theater a ton, opening up for bands that would come through town, including Five Iron Frenzy, who we loved. That we were like, they were like the they were like the supreme for the us, gods. Five Iron. Yeah, they were the gods. <laughs> <laughs> so, ironically, um, one of our shows at Murray Hill Theater opening for Five Iron. It was just like big break for us. right? Like, yes, we're opening it for Five Iron. It's gonna be amazing. We played. We played the first song right, and our trombone player, Braxton Newton, he like jumps up in the air in the last note, and he like lands and like slips and totally like uh, his kneecap was like uh, on the side of it. Uh. Like on the side of his leg, just totally like mis- uh. displaced. And he was a big guy. And we so that was it, man. We had to like stop the show, and like a bunch of people, including uh, one or two guys from Five Iron, helped us carry him off stage. And wow. We had to call the ambulance. We were just embarrassed, we're like, this is this was, uh, I mean, we felt bad for Braxton, but <laughs> we're also just like, this is the worst thing that could happen. It's ruined that. our career. Yeah. But one cool thing that came out of that was, I think Five Iron Frenzy felt really bad for us. And they invited us over to hang out with them at, at Tony Nasralla's house afterwards. So we like went swimming in Tony's That's pool. That's awesome. Tony's, Tony's the owner of, of Murray Hill Theater. So we, we were able to start this like friendship with Five Iron Frenzy after that show. And I remember later we went to Cornerstone in 2000 and uh, met up with them and hung out with them and and that's even awesome. to this day, like when they come through town, you know, we'll we'll meet up before the show and chat and stuff like that.
0: That's cool. That's really yeah. cool. I, I I've, met, I've hung out with Dennis before.
1: Yes, um, great guy.
0: Yeah, I I went to his studio with uh, Sun Bears when we were on tour and oh, nice, it was awesome experience. He was really cool, really cool dude. So
1: yeah, we, we awesome. like particularly uh, Leonor uh, Jeff the girl. We, we like. Me and, me and Melissa have supported her ministry for a little while and where we used to um but yeah anyway
0: yeah I just yeah, saw, was... actually heard she's on a um saw a really cool podcast called the warehouse Pro, uh warehouse po- podcast it's the, an old uh, venue in Bartlesville Oklahoma
2: okay um nice. and
0: they used to have like all the bands anyway they have a podcast they just started and she's on it I'll have to send it to you but it's really it's really good so that's
2: awesome
0: Awesome man! So, so you started Honey Locust, and you guys are playing local shows with Lugnut. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I'll have to have Chris or Owen on the. I think that'd be funny. Yeah. Um Anyway, so you're playing that. So how does Screaming Giant come about? What uh, what what's the what happened with that?
1: Yeah. So so Lugnut, they were also a local Christian punk band. As you said, super fast, like the fastest band probably still I've ever heard. Maybe maybe you've heard faster, yep. but um, really fast and um but they were great like uh, we you know we thought they were super cool and um so anyway we we, we played we did some tours i I used tours and like quotes where we kind yeah. of toured around the us a little bit like it would be it would be like driving like 20 hours to show up somewhere where there's nobody there yeah, yeah. you know or like you know the tumbleweed is like rolling through and <laughs> it's like <laughs> whatever um like i i spent so we spent a couple of years like cutting our teeth like doing that kind of stuff like the grind yeah. you know um but lugnut was signed to screaming giant records um out of based in daniel point california and as you know uh, screaming giant had a tv show called g rock yes it was like a lot of christian punk and ska and, and indie rock and stuff like that and so uh so lugnut like sort of paved the way and then they told screaming giant about us screaming giant was interested and signed us And we recorded an album in 1999, the only Honey Locust album that came out. was called This Weekend. That's awesome. And yeah, man, so so that was cool. We also hosted an episode of G-Rock when we were in California once. You can actually find one or two YouTube clips from it. That's Uh, sweet. Yeah. But yeah, so that all... That was fun. Like, so we went to Cornerstone. Never actually played though. We like went to Cornerstone really? to, tr- to try to play. They have a stage. Yeah, the impromptu. Yeah. Yeah. So we never made it. Never got our name pulled from that. Um, but yeah, I mean, did a few tours. Uh, we after that album, we wrote a few more songs that never got recorded. And then in two thousand, I think, is when we played our last show. Yeah. Uh, kind of just sort of came to an end.
0: Did you um, guys, was that deal, like, the record deal that you had? Was it, like, a handshake deal type of thing? Or was it, like, a full-on?
1: There was a contract that, like, we, like, typically, like, it's a common story. We, like, didn't really understand it and signed <laughs> it. So,
2: like.
0: <laughs> of course. I have no idea what we signed. I would sign it. I mean, everyone would yeah, sign it. Yeah. I mean,
1: they probably still owe part of me or something. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> but, <laughs> um, yeah. So, there there was a signature that happened on something. Yeah, um, but I'm pretty sure that yeah, I'm pretty sure that's all null now.
0: Oh, I'm sure. What uh, was there any cool tours you did with Honey Locust, uh, like other than Lugnut, or was there any like other ones you did? <laughs>
1: uh, that's a great, great question. Yeah, yeah, we did. We did a tour with this band called Rod Laver.
0: Oh yeah, where, I remember Rod Laver. <laughs> yeah,
1: they were yeah. kind of like this sort of um lumpyskidish. Yeah. Kind of band. Backwards hat. Uh, yeah, the backwards hat thing. <laughs> <laughs> Guy named Rudy, I think. Um. And man, it's probably an obvious one I'm forgetting about, but um I have to like go back into the archives of my brain, you know. Um sorry. Yeah, yeah. I Yeah, I guess I mean we did some we, we did some random festivals. We did this festival called um it was in, I think it was in Texas. Wow, what was that festival called? Gosh, yeah, I'm sorry, man. I'm okay. I'm totally drawing a blank.
0: It's okay. But, I forgive you.
1: <laughs> no it's yeah. cool
0: I, I i remember seeing honey locust a handful of times when i was living in jacksonville at murray hill and you know it was just cool to see i think at the time um you know the whole scene was kind of exploding into a, a bunch of different avenues which i thought was really cool you know the lug guys you know i i knew chris and and owen and all those guys and it was just cool to see that and then you know, the small, small of wonder was like kind of like the big alternative band. And then, yeah. you know, there was, you know, I think even before that, there was Burning Heart, like all these like small little, you know, yes. small heavy or whatever alternative or whatever it is. And it's just cool at that time, Murray Hill, you know, having opened. And I guess some people might not know what Murray Hill Theater is, but it's a theater for those who don't know, it's a theater in Jacksonville, Florida. That was kind of our hub for uh shows, uh Christian, you know, punk, hard hardcore, metal, whatever it may be. Um right. and it was a it was a a mainstay stop for most of the tours so we got to see amazing tours all the time, which was really, really cool. Yeah, man. we we loved
1: Marine Hill Theater. I mean a lot a lot of my first shows really were Murray Hill Theater. Um it's still around to this day. Um yeah. I, mean, I just saw the Striper there. <laughs> it was no amazing. Way. That's awesome. Well, I saw five iron, you know, a few, few yeah, that's years right. ago. But John Mark McMillan, saw. We went to that last yeah. year. Oh yeah, I yeah, saw yep, you there. That.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, it's a great venue, and I, I endorse fully endorse it. But yeah, Tony was always kind to us, allowing Absolutely. us to play. And
0: Tony's a, a sweetie.
1: Yeah. Um. By the way, that festival is called Tomfest. I just remember. Oh there.
0: yes, yes. Have you heard of Tomfest? Uh, yeah, Fest? I, that's right. Yeah, they had one up in Seattle or up in Oregon or something like that. Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. I remember seeing MXPX. Or I think they were the headliners for that.
0: That's awesome. So, yeah. Very, very cool Tomfest is awesome i always i always from afar wanted to go but you know i was on the east east coast that was just so not close
1: <laughs> yeah
0: yeah um sweet you know. so after honey locust what what happens next
1: yeah so um so i kind of we kind of grad like me and some of my friends like reggie kind of gradually grew away from the christian music scene and, and church in general and we started a band called cubby i think the year after so maybe 2001 or two or two so it was me and my brother keith and reggie and our friend mandy hill who originally was in it um so this is sort of like an emo in the emo type thing we were listening to a lot of get up kids and uh oh yeah the promise ring and jimmy world and like we were so we kind of took a deep dive into the emo thing yeah um or at least that particular like strand of emo and I think Mandy left early on, and then our friend Corey von Louis, who was also in Honey Lucas, he was in he was in Cubby. Our friend Mike Schmidt, you know, you know Mike Schmidt. Yeah,
0: I know Mike. Yeah.
1: yeah, I I think there was a little bit of a revolving door of band members, but at some point or another, all those guys were in it. Um, so we we played a few local shows, like over the years, you know, for over the course of like two or three years, we did Jackrabbits a few times. I remember we opened up for um, Pedro the Lion at Jackrabbits. Oh wow, that's awesome. Yeah, actually, so it was really cool. Is at we played the Imperial, also known as Rock and Roll Pizza. It was it was an old it was a venue downtown on Forsyth Street. Yeah. But we we opened up for this uh, little known band at the time called The Killers.
0: Oh my and god! It was, so cool. it was like a
1: small show, and it was just before they broke big. Was there anyone there? I mean, there was like it wasn't it wasn't huge. I mean, it was like a decent crowd, but it wasn't that there were not that many people. That's and insane. Yeah, before they went on stage, I get, apparently their keyboard stand broke, and so they borrowed our keyboard stand from us. Wow. <laughs> um, and actually, I still have a little promo CD of like Mr. Brightside from that show that Lisa Thomas gave me. Did you hang out
0: with them at all? or uh,
1: Not really. I just remember like maybe just saying what's up or whatever, you know, chatting yeah. with them but briefly. But um, I was able to see, I, I think, did I see them later? Uh, now I can't remember. I, I actually well i bought tickets for them a few years ago to see them they were coming through st augustine and they got kids yeah I bought,
0: I bought tickets for that COVID,
1: but i love the killers are great oh, um, no. right so yeah so cubby you know we mostly were just opening up for bands that were coming through and you know tim hall somebody that yeah jackrabbit who he was also always supportive of letting, absolutely.
2: you know letting That's us play and, yeah
1: yeah and lisa thomas was yeah absolutely cool as well she's awesome yeah so so, yeah, man, we kind of did the emo thing. We recorded some stuff as well. I still have a bunch of recordings. I don't think any of that stuff ended up online on Spotify or anything like that. You should but put it did up. Make,
0: I'd like to hear it.
1: Yeah, we made, I remember back in the day, we made a bunch of like CDRs, you know, and I made a little album cover on, our, on my printer, you know, and <laughs> printed That's them out and <laughs> like gave them out to our friends. Or maybe we sold them at
0: a show. I can't remember. That's so cool. Yeah,
1: how many, we're, have, we're,
0: we're, oh, God. Oh, no, I was going to say, did you, how long was Cubby? Like, did you guys, how long did you play or like, how it, did you play a lot of shows with that?
1: I want to say like two or three years, maybe oh. if I'm getting my my timeline right. It was like early early two thousands. Um, yeah, yeah. So that was that was fun. We did it. I remember a few years after we broke up, we did a reunion show at TSI downtown. Yeah, I know, did you ever make it to TSI?
0: Oh yeah. uh yeah, I, yeah. I went to karaoke there quite often.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So TSI was a club downtown. It originally started off in Springfield on first in Maine where the Pearl came later to the right. building. Yeah. So the first year of TSI was at that location. And um I I I actually got to DJing um at the Imperial and then the and then TSI gave me a regular like a, a DJ night every night, every week on Saturday night. So anyway, TSI was there. and moved downtown onto Bay Street and I, I DJed there for a few years and I don't think yeah Cubby was done at that point. Reggie from, my friend Reggie, one of my best you know, friends from high school, like all through, you know, my adult life. He, yeah. he wasn't, he was in Honey Locust he was in Cubby. He started another band called Mata Hari that played at TSI a few times. And, you know, in Around Town. Yeah. And, and I I, had, I was sort of taking a break from playing in a band at that point. And then it was January of 2006 that, that we formed Black Kids. So I remember, I don't remember exactly the conversations but he, you know Reggie was like oh, I'm I'm starting a new thing you want to play drums I'm like yeah man let's do it and that's so awesome. he was like my sister Ollie is super talented she plays keyboard and sings and she has a friend named Don uh, who's also super talented and so I mean Reggie Reggie's like gifted at like identifying you know people with skills and kind of bring them together that's awesome so so yeah that was Reggie was like the mastermind of that But he brought it, so I remember, so January of 06, we got together at Reggie's parents' house. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I've got that right. And like in their living room and we had our first practice and at our first practice is when we played our song. I'm not going to teach your boyfriend how to dance with you. And it sounded just like it sounded, just like it sounded later, like in the recording. Like it, it sounded like that from the very beginning. It was like, that's
0: incredible.
1: Yeah. It was like first rehearsal. It just came out like that. It was like meant to be. It was like this, like magical song. <laughs> so, did you guys
0: know that it was gonna be not so much a hit, but like one that you're like, "This is a banger," you
1: know? I don't know. Yeah, it's a good question. I think I think I did have a good feeling about it from that first day, but it did feel like it did feel like when the five of us had gone together that first day. They're like, "Oh, this is something different and like different from anything that any of us had done before." Yeah. You know, and it did feel unique. It's like okay, like um. You know there was a lot of diverse, there was a lot of diversity in the band and like diff, diversity in like musical backgrounds as well and it was cool because the band was sort of like this you know like we were able to kind of bring in different genres and yeah i mean reggie Reggie you know he was always the primary songwriter um so, you know like as probably as very typical he would he would come to the rest of us with the words and melody and the chord structure you know and the you know like the basic bones of the song, yeah. And the rest of us would flesh it out, like maybe trying different beats or different bass lines or keyboard yeah. parts. And so we would just spend hours, you know, kind of crafting the song together. But awesome. um, yeah, man, so we, we started playing our first shows in 2006. I mean, one thing that we learned about ourselves like early on was, and I credit this to Reggie, was like he would book a show like before we were ready so that we would have like a deadline to work towards. It's great. It's
0: like, smart. I, re-
1: I recommend that for anybody. Absolutely. It gives now. you like,
0: motivation. Yeah. busy
1: motivation like something to work yeah. towards if, if you just like if you just like oh, i'm just gonna wait till we're ready then you could spend years you know, know. just getting know. getting ready yep so yep. so i remember he, did, a book of, yeah Was ahead.
0: reggie um did reggie like write most of the songs on honey locust as well or was it or was he kind of like because i know he just sang i feel like he just sang most of the time um yeah he played guitar too i don't i don't remember it's been so yeah
1: at, at first he played guitar in honey locust and i think he just transitioned away from that and just sang because he could be more like uh you have a lot more like motion energy like, and jump energy yeah. like he would jump around and all that kind of stuff um but yeah he was the primary songwriter for for honey Lucas. we had a we had a guitar player named bruce salazar who also contributed some songs yeah yeah um but yeah so yeah so reggie was you know same with I got you. yeah i just like, i yeah. just
0: popped on my mind i was like i wonder yeah because I, I mean it's not surprising you know knowing him it's just like i could see him being you know he's just a a very talented person you know yeah
1: he ha- he has a he has a gift for writing a catchy pop song like it's great um you know i mean he he loves indie rock and um you know like in the last few years he's been really into um like power pop bands like teenage fan club and oh yeah um, the replacements and all this kind it's of stuff drag. and so
0: he
1: yeah. yeah, he actually has a band in Athens, Georgia called Blunt bangs, oh yeah, yeah, with cash yeah. yeah, so it's like a power pop band so that's like you know, he but he also, you know, he grew up listening to, to you know, Prince and like um you know R and B, but also like um metal, Smiths. you know. Yeah, like yeah. yeah, yeah, and like indie rock. And so he, yeah, he he's very he has a lot of um musical influences that just yeah. you know, flows out into his songwriting.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So um, once you guys started pl um you know getting together, how how did uh, the record label happened and um, I guess touring on Just tell me the kind of the whole story.
1: Yeah. So we, we started playing shows in 2006. We would just play locally around Jacksonville. Same deal. We we would play Jackrabbits opening up for bands that would come through town. And actually our very first show was at um, Cafe 11 in St. Augustine. Oh, nice. Great venue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so we, we were doing that for a little while. And then the kind of the turning point for us was in August of 2007. We were invited to, and I forget, actually, we, have a, we had a friend named Brandon. Brendan, sorry, Brendan Clark. I think he, he was running sound for us a lot. And, and he caught wind of this um, festival in Athens, Georgia called Athens Pop Fest. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't think I don't think it's around anymore. But yeah, but I think I think Brendan kind of arranged this um, for us to go play this festival. Also, prior to that, we'd already started recording material with our friend Jesse Mangum. Uh, he was in Jackson all the time. He started a recording studio called The Glow, which was in Riverside. But now he's based based in Athens, Georgia. If you're in Athens and you're, and you're a musician, you probably already know of Jesse. But if not, he's, he's amazing. That's awesome. Um, yeah, he has his own studio up there called The Glow. So he recorded our first EP, which we called Wizard of Oz, spelled A-H-H-H. I think there's three H's, <laughs> so Wizard of Oz. So we were recording that material um, in 2007, I believe. And uh, we had just kind of finished that. And when we went to this festival, August of 2007, and when I say festival, it was like, it's like they, there's a lot of small venues around town. And so they're all, all these venues are participating in this festival. So it's like, it's like a bunch of small shows over yeah. the course of like a weekend or something like that. Yeah. So we played a small club called Little Kings Shuffle Club in Athens. And there were not a lot of people there. It was like actually also at the time I'd I had recently started dating my now wife, Melissa. So we were we were dating and she was there that day. So but there was like a handful of people. I mean, I want to say like less than fifty people probably. Um maybe less than thirty, I don't know. But <laughs> but I do remember um so at the time, I worked at Folio Weekly as a graphic designer, and Melissa did as well. That's how we met. We were graphic designers, like okay. flowing yeah, yeah. as a newspaper. But The guy that I worked with named John Citroni was like, "Kevin, you guys, when you go to this festival, you guys have to crush it. You have to, you have to like, like don't don't mess this up." Like, yeah, it's big. He, he really he really gave this like pep talk of like, "This is it." I don't know how he knew that this was a big deal. but It was like he he just knew. So I remember thinking that going into that weekend like all right we got to do this man so we played a show and it was honestly like it wasn't like this amazing show that we did it was just we just did our thing um in fact it was it was recorded and if i, if I listen back to it i cringe because i'm like oh wow we were like we were not that good back then you know <laughs> we got we got a lot better like later over the yeah. years than, like touring totally so. but it was a, but we made an impression what, what we did was enough to make an impression on the people that were there and some of the people in the audience were, like, music bloggers, which at the time was, like, a very, like, yeah, I feel like a specific moment in time where there was, like, music blogs were, like, a big deal. Yeah. Um, so this is, this is, like, pre-Instagram, pre... I mean, YouTube was, like, barely around at this point. Yeah. So these music bloggers, like, they saw us. We handed out some, like, CDRs <laughs> with some print, like, like, yeah. like, like, homemade, like, CDs, you know. And so they started writing about us, like, right away, like, over the next couple of days, like, Black Kids, wow, who's this new band? This is really interesting. This is cool. That's awesome. And then we we had a MySpace page. um, And so MySpace was also a big deal at the time. Yeah. And we had four of our songs up for free download on MySpace, the Wizard of Oz EP. And that was, I guess that was kind of, like, um, unusual, like, oh, this band is giving away these songs for free. I do remember that was the same year that Radiohead did um, their free... Yeah, in rainbows, and I was like, I was like, man, did we do that first? Anyway, it was right around the same time. <laughs> anyway, um, oh, so it was like literally within a few days, we started getting contacted by like, um, by like, prof- like music industry people, basically.
0: That's, that's literally insane. If you think it was about crazy. It. I mean, yeah. that shows you how powerful that festival was. Yeah, yeah. Like I
1: said, and it, it was like we weren't expecting that because it was there were not that many people there. So we we like understandably just started like freaking out just like what is happening in a good way what yeah. is happening what like our minds were blown like we're getting like um management um companies contacting like mostly from the uk which is uh, also i should mention that part there were some publications like um enemy magazine and, and vice oh YouTube. yeah
0: great
2: yeah
1: yeah so so they they picked up on this thing on the through the music blogs and they, so they started writing about it and i don't know that it's like for lack of a better word like this buzz that started happening around it and, of course, now they, the word hype was, is attached to it a lot. Like, there was yes. a lot of hype that was happening, you know. And um, so, yeah. So, we there were some management companies that reached out to us um, saying, hey, we're interested in, like, representing you guys and everything. We want to fly you out to London to, like, talk <laughs> to you. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. That's amazing. Like, one of them, one guy, the first guy that, did, that, that reached out to us, um, he, I think he was representing this band, like bands like Block Party and stuff like that. Wow. And we were just like, oh, my gosh. And I guess it turned out that his his company um, had too many artists at the time. So so he, he passed this on to his friend, this guy named Scott Roger, who had a company called Quest Management. And Quest managed Arcade Fire and Bjork and Paul McCartney. Oh, He's, my gosh. Yeah, crazy. So Scott Roger is who we ended up going with. Um, later, but so so they flew us out to London. It was just like kind of whirlwind, um, you know. So so fall of two thousand seven, we just kind of hit the ground running, like like meeting. We started meeting up with. Well, first we had to, you know, we we made this arrangement with the management company, kind of signed off with them, and then just this whole process of like, what well, I guess what they call like an album campaign, where it's like, okay, yeah. we have to we have to plan for this for your debut album guys need a booking it there's a whole team of people were you signed
0: by then or not yet
1: not yet so that's that's getting ready yeah part of the thing was okay you guys need a booking agent you need um a record label you need like a pr company you need so there's a whole team of people that you kind of like like you know hire i guess and so we we had a lot of meetings with different you know all of those types of positions you know you met with all the different options and you talked about it and like which one are we going to go with yeah um yeah it was a a really exciting time i bet and and also a side like a side note side sort of perk for me was that i had my oldest brother actually lives in london and so i was able to, to spend a lot of time with him over those over that period of time that's so cool yeah um yeah so i'm trying to think of the timeline so we At that point, it went from, we recorded with like small demo in Jacksonville with Jesse Mangum to like, all right, now you guys, we got to do like a major label release, you know? Yes. So we ended up, um, signing. So the way our management worked it out was we had a, we ended up getting a North American record deal, which was with Columbia. Um, Mm -hmm. and then outside of North America, it was Mercury records, which was part of universal. So, um, we had the conversations about who we are going to record the album with and all that kind of stuff. And we threw a bunch of different ideas around. But we ultimately ended up with Bernard Butler, who was the guitar player for Suede. Dude. And oh, he's amazing.
0: He's I great. know. Suede rules. <laughs> yeah,
1: I know. He Like, I love Bernard. We still keep in touch. Like, he such a great guy. He was so great to work with, and we actually recorded it at Edwin Collins Studio in London. Really? So to, Edwin Collins was in a band called Orange Juice in the eighties, a British band, and then he went solo. But um, he had a song. I think it was on.
0: It was on the Empire Records? Soundtrack. Yeah, was, Milibre, a girl like you. Yeah. Yes, I love that song. Yeah, never met a girl like you before. <laughs> it's a great it, so. soundtrack.
1: Yeah, but he has a lot of great songs. So I had the we had the pleasure of meeting meeting him. That's cool. Yeah, so we recorded the album uh so this is probably like winter of 08 of now um we started releasing singles and the bbc bbc radio was like really supporting us at the time you know they were really supportive and like we did like so yeah there was this whole campaign around it so we did like radio over there like we went to the bbc like their actual building and did like radio sessions and we went out a bunch of tours around the uk like these um band tours and so and it was a combination of if we were kind of the headliners it would be like a smaller venue because we were yeah. new so we played these small clubs all around the uk and we would, kept making that circuit a few times and that was always really exciting and then there were we did um some supporting tours also so we were the opening band for bigger bands um so, so kate nash was the first bigger artist that wow. we supported i don't know if you know yeah kate nash yeah. but she in 2008 she had like a big album yeah. In, in the UK, particularly mainly in the UK, but so it was like arena tours, so like playing these big arenas. That's insane. And it was so fun, and and she covered the, the way that came about was before that was even in, like a thing. Like um she covered our song "I'm Not gonna teach your Boyfriend" how to dance with you on the French radio station because her band was doing a, a French thing on uh, the French radio station, and she they did a cover of it, and we were like, "Oh,
0: Kate Nash like likes
1: our song," That's and so, so cool. we ended up talking with them and. and Doing, doing a tour together.
0: That's so cool. Is that yeah. online?
1: Yeah. You can hear I, her. I'll have to listen her, to it. I mean, That'd be cool. Yeah, I think it's on YouTube. And, like, uh, our la- I remember our last show together on that tour was at Hammersmith Apollo oh, in London, okay. and, um, and her band played uh, our song, and we all kind of came out there together and kind of did a thing. So that was fun.
0: That's so surreal. <laughs>
1: yeah, I know. And she, she's an actor, actor now. She's on the show Glow.
0: Oh, is it glow?
1: Okay. No wait, what's the wrestling? The wrestling show. Oh yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Gorgeous Ladies. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Yeah, so like yeah, like anyway, so she's gone on to do other stuff now. Um Sorry if I'm rambling by the no, way. You're I'm fine. just like No, you're
2: fine. What ordered. is there, No, you're good.
0: Was there any other bands that you played with other than that What Kate Nash? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So
1: uh, like touring wise, we did. We also did a, uh, an arena tour with uh, open up for Kaiser Chiefs. They were oh like yeah, this, yeah. Um, they were huge British. at the time. Yeah, yeah. They had some. They had some big hits back then. Same thing, arena, arenas and stuff. And then um in North America, we did a tour with this band, Cut Copy. Oh yeah, they're awesome. Cut Copy. Yeah, they're Australian like electronic dance music. That was a lot of fun. And we over here in the U.S. in North America, we did a tour with Mates of State.
0: Oh, um, yeah, I saw so, that tour in Kansas yeah, City, you did. Yeah, No way, Kansas City, yes. And you know what's funny? I know at the time, I don't think, like, I I knew you guys from back in the day, but I don't think we really knew each other that well. But right. I went to that show primarily because Jared and Jonathan were, uh, was spo- well, they were on the po- first portion of the tour, and I thought they were going to be there. And yes. so I went to go see, and they wound up, I think Judgment Day wound up playing. I yes, th- I think Judgment instead. Day. yeah. Yes. Which they're Anton's awesome. Like those guys are awesome dudes. Um But I remember going to that show. At, it was at the Beaumont Club in Kansas uh, City, and it was it was so dope. That show was amazing. Uh, yeah, dude. I've always loved me. Also... to State anyway, and uh, so me too. and I it didn't click in my head who you guys were when when you guys were playing. I don't know why. It was one of those things that like two three years later, it just. Somebody was like, oh, yeah, right. that's uh, Kevin and Reggie from Honey Locust." <laughs> I'm like,
1: what? Like, what? Mind-blowing. That, well, it's, uh, that's understandable because, like, that's, like, two polar extremes of, like, genres.
0: Well, you know, it's, like that. Like folks, someone said, but... I, had, I had moved to the Midwest. And, you know, that was before, like, social media or any way to, like, really contact someone, you know. Yeah. You know, and just see what's going on. So that's partially why. But it was, like, I felt in a weird way. I was living in the Midwest <laughs> at the time, and I was doing concerts out there. And I just, after the fact, when I found out, I I felt, like, a, a sense of pride. Like, I was like, that's a Jacksonville band. That, you know, like, I was, thanks, I was dude. pumped.
1: Dude, that's awesome, man.
2: Thank you. Yeah. Dude,
0: yeah. I, I was, and then after that, I, I, of course, I loved the, you know, the record. I thought it was amazing. And I was so pumped. Like, it was just one of the, like, ha, ha, did you, were you guys stoked on the recording? Like, how, yeah, no, good. Yeah, thanks, man.
1: We, yeah, so we, so I mean, you may know this part too, but like our, our sort of indie EP got a lot of love from publications like Pitchfork, who named it like best new music. Um, and that, that also helped fuel like this sort of really fast hype that, that yeah. happened around us. Um, and so, and also to kind of backtrack a little bit, it was like after, in fall of 07, after that festival that we played and all the sort of management stuff was happening, we were offered to play at cmj festival in new york oh yeah city so that's like similar thing it's like different venues around around new york um these you know smaller shows so to speak but so we played cmj october of '07, and there was a lot of like sort of hype around this band black kids this new band it's like who is this new band that everyone's talking about what's going on and it was like it was it was a thing there was like lines out the door to come see black Burns kids play like, at cmj there were like four venues that we played um oh so you played multiple times Yeah, played multiple times. So, and so looking back again, like I said about the Athens show, was like we were not, we actually were not very great live at that point. Like we were still kind of pretty green because we hadn't, we've never toured before. We'd only, we would do like the occasional show in Jacksonville. Yeah. um, But we were pretty green. And so there were some mixed reviews that came out of that. Also, side note, I remember um, seeing a a photo of uh, Mike D from the Beastie Boys came to see us at one of the shows, which is crazy. Yeah. Um anyway and, and, but we would see other but we see other musicians like the guys from TV on the radio were like coming out. It was like it was just like I think people were just curious like who's this band yeah. was, people That's were cool. talking about. Um but I will say in retrospect it's like I don't think we were really I I think any I think anybody in our band would would say if you asked them now would say yeah we weren't really ready at that point it probably would have been better if we just did some hardcore just rehearsals for like a few weeks before we really like went out there. Yeah. So I feel like that kind of hurt us in a little way in some ways. But anyway, um that was just like a piece I I, I kind of forgotten to mention earlier. Yeah, yeah. But so anyway, we went we went to the studio that winter. It was great work with Bernard. Um yeah like and we we I think we really loved the record. The only the only thing and and this is like one of the things that Pitchfork also so pitchfork hated hated our full length album. Oh, and pitchfork I think one of the things themselves Yeah I know I know. <laughs> I think I think one of the things about it was our our indie EP was very scrappy, very raw, very like a lot of reverb. It just sounds really like raw and in a like endearing, charming way. And the and the full length album was much more produced and like like slick and glossy. Yeah, it was a very drastic change, and I think that that was jarring for a lot of people. I so I understand that. Um, if if we could do it over again, like I would probably like maybe have a different mix that wasn't quite so like pristine, you know? Yeah, but um actually i mean really honestly though looking back like there's a lot of things that we probably would have done differently but it was such like you know literally well not literally but thrown into the the deep end of absolutely of like there were so many creative decisions that had to be made and like like music videos and like okay what you know like photo shoots and i mean there's just stuff that's like every day it was like you know drinking from from a fire hose
2: oh absolutely
1: and you're touring and you're not getting much sleep and it's just yeah. like Yeah, you know, you're
0: not at home, you know, you're not Yeah, you're not home. It was exhausting and,
1: and I mean it was exciting and amazing, but also exhausting and like by the end of that like album cycle, it was about yeah. you know, a year and a half, two years, however long it was. We were just so exhausted. That I, we just, I can't
0: imagine. It was,
1: yeah, it was it was so draining. Um but I forgot where I was going with that. Um oh yeah, yeah the record, yeah, so the record came out in July of two thousand eight, but I mentioned the pitchfork didn't like it, but actually, it did get a lot of positive responses yeah. from other, like, you know, Rolling Stone and like uh, Spin Magazine. They put it on their top albums of the year that year. And yeah. so it did get a lot of love. And I'm still proud of it. I, I love that Absolutely. album.
0: Absolutely. I think it's fantastic. Thanks, man. I like the production on it. I know I'm a weirdo, but I, I just, was, <laughs> I mean, it sounded good.
1: Yeah. No, thanks, man. Yeah.
0: It, did, it, was, it was. Did fun. Bernard, um, when he was producing it, did he change much of the songs or were they kind of the basic or what, what all yeah. did he really do to the songs? Yeah.
1: He didn't really change much. He was, he was more like support role of like, um, you know, the songs were pretty much crafted for the most part. And he would, he would do stuff like maybe we should add like some bongos on this bridge or, yeah, you know, stuff like that. Um, so, you know, he would, he would come with some creative ideas and, and, um, but he he was a he was a great guy to work with. Um,
0: what other producers did were you interested in at that time that you that you maybe not so much you would have wanted to do, but looking back, what, who else would you have? Yeah, that's
1: a good question. I don't know. I I do remember there were some names that were thrown out there, uh, like I- anybody that we suggested would have been like, oh, this person produced one of our favorite albums. Yeah, and and it didn't, and if it didn't work out, it would be like, oh, they're not really doing that anymore, or. That person is, I I will say, one, one thing I remember about this period, too, was there were things that we wanted to do that was more indie, so to speak. Like, for example, we wanted to make more of a scrappy, like, indie music video using, like, Ollie is an artist, so she does, like, visual art. Yeah. And we, we wanted one of our music videos to be, like, with Ollie's art and stuff like that. And we, we would get pushback that, like, no, this is, like, a major label release. Like, we're going to put, like, $10,000 into this music video. It has to look a certain, of a certain level. Yeah. And so... You know, I feel like that was probably the case maybe with some of the producers, too, of like, oh, like, so-and-so produced one of our favorite, like, indie records, and be like, uh, that person They don't really have enough of a name, probably, to do, like, this kind of an album. Yeah. Which, that's another thing that, looking back, I kind of wish we 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 were more, um, I don't know, forceful or something with some of those creative decisions. like, yeah. like, like, really going with what we really wanted instead of, like, what, what the, was like, expected both, both of us. Yeah. yeah. And there's always that tension between, like, creativity
0: and commerce yeah well you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't (laughs) right it's like you know if it weren't for the label you're not you know they're gonna put you in the places that you need to be but if you know you can't but it's you your product you know that it's kind of like you know
1: yeah and that that was not to skip ahead but like that tension was one of the things that was a big struggle for us when it came time to record a second album Good. We did the first, and this is a common story. You do the first one just for fun, like purely because for the love of music, it's so much fun. We're getting together and we're making songs. And when it came time for the second album, well, for one thing, we were super exhausted and burned out from the first album.
2: Yeah.
1: And then two, there was an immense pressure to like, this is your career now. Like, we, you guys need to write an album that's either as good or better as the first one, and you need to do it like, like, in three months. You know, or you know, there's just, and that's the reality of the. Or at least at the time, you know, and maybe the music industry has changed a lot since then. This was in yeah. two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and there was still. I feel like a lot has changed with the internet and YouTube and like Bandcamp and everything. That, but we were still in that kind of major label machine that was that was like like a, a carryover from like the seventies, eighties, and nineties, and you know, um. So. Anyway, so that was that was a challenge for us when it came time to write another album it was I bet. kind of you know, buckling under the pressure, I think. Yeah. Um anyway, I kind of jumped ahead a little bit on that, but as far as the timeline. So yeah, I don't know. So if so the album Still Proud of It is awesome. I love it. I hope it gets reprinted again on vinyl cuz you know, it's been a while. Uh, you know, yeah. you can't like you can't you can't I think like have worth in. a
0: lot too. if I remember correctly. Oh, sweet. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <to> I <find> won. <laughs>
2: no. Yeah.
1: So we did. So we did a lot of touring. We were able to, like, I was, get, I was able to see parts of the world that I never would have been able to otherwise. You know. Yes. So we we toured the UK a lot. We did Europe a few times. We did North America a few times. Did South America. Yes. I went to Australia. We played this festival called Big Day Out in Australia and New Zealand. So it's like I think it's six dates in like the major cities around there. We did Japan. Um, Jeez. So it was it was incredible, man. That's like, was
2: incredible.
1: Able, like I said, like I, I never would have been able to do that had it not been for this opportunity. So like, um, I, I still, in some ways, it doesn't even feel real. Like, did I do that? Yeah. Like, did I do that? Right. I mean, it, it was a whirlwind, like two years.
0: I bet. And you guys got to play um, like Leno, right? And, and yeah.
1: So we did like, like late night TV. So so over here we did um, the Tonight Show, with Jay Leno. Um, and, and we did, uh, David Letterman. So those were amazing. I mean, I think Letterman was, I think we did Letterman before we did Leno, if I remember correctly. That was exhilarating. Um, so exciting. I mean, it was like Ed Sullivan Theater. I think that's what it was in New York. David Letterman. Um, so exciting. Actually. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, I was going to say, whenever I listen whenever I watched that video, uh, I feel like I'm, like, kind of speeding up the tempo a little bit. I was so excited. The adrenaline was pumping so so hard. I
0: bet it was.
1: <laughs> so I'm like, oh, uh, I was speeding up the song a little bit. But I think that's probably something that most people do not notice. Yeah. Um, And then doing the doing Tonight Show with Jay Leno was awesome. He was super kind. He, like, came into our dressing room to, like, introduce himself and, like, gave us, like, a handwritten note. And I got my got my picture with him in the parking lot afterwards. And that's awesome. That was cool. And we also did Jimmy Kimmel before, when he was, like, late, late night. yeah, uh, yeah. Jimmy Kimmel, and we did Carson Daly back when he had a late, like late show, and so that was amazing. And also in North America, or you know, over here on this on this side of the pond, we did um yoga. Gabba Gabba, the kids. TV oh yeah, show. that's
0: right. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's so also cool. Also amazing.
0: Yeah, because we were. You, did we you were, show your girls that?
1: I, I have shown it to them. Before. Every like every like couple of years, I like show it to them because uh, I don't remember it from earlier. So I have like three young daughters. I'm, they're they are nine seven and four so i showed it to them i think this past year and they had no, mem- no memory of it i just wanted someone they were younger but it, yeah they think it's cool and like they still don't really they still don't really uh, like understand all the band stuff they just knew that i played in a band i think you know when they get a little older yeah. like i'll be able to it'll, tell them more stories and stuff it'll
0: be a little cooler
1: <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> they're just sort of like okay well they see me play drums at, i still play drums at church that's so they see yeah, yeah. Do, they see me do that but yeah uh I was going to say with the, with the TV stuff that, you know, in, in England, we also did like late night shows over there. One of the very first live show that we ever did was, um, no, I'm sorry. The very first, I think the first TV thing that we did was this show called Jules Holland.
0: Oh my God. What a Are you familiar? I, yeah, I know. Yeah, absolutely. That's
1: so like that was amazing massive. <laughs> yeah. So Jules like live with Jules Holland or later with Jules Holland, one of those, um, and so for those who've never heard of the show, it's amazing. They take four or five musical artists and they put them around this huge round room. So there's these stages in a circle. And he's, he like stands in the middle like a showman, like a circus or something. And there's like the audience is in a circle, like like a, like it would be at a circus. And so there's this different um, artist. And so we were on the episode. So the episode that we were on was his first live episode. So we wow. did, it was our first TV thing and it was live. So that was definitely, I was also like, whoa. The nerves were, were amplified, but the artists that we were with were James Taylor. That was incredible. I, I remember listening to him practice piano before the show I, that afternoon. I was like sitting outside in the hallway, outside of the, like down from where his dressing room was, hearing him listen to him play Did the you piano. To
0: talk to him at all, or
1: no? Unfortunately, that that would have been cool. Yeah. Okay, so the other amazing artist that was on that day was Adele, who was not huge at the time. Wow. She was like kind of just starting out. Um. So she she had, had her first album out that year, I think, in the UK. Oh I mean over here too, but and then there was this band called the um uh something ones, what were they called? Uh they had like one hit in the late 70s, I forgot. And this artist named Estelle, uh her name is Estelle. She had she had a few hits back then too. But.
0: Estelle and Adele.
1: Uh, uh, yeah, Estelle and Adele. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, so you can find that stuff on YouTube. That's that's I'm, cool. I watch that. I'm super that. proud of it.
0: I knew you were on that. I just didn't I hadn't hadn't seen it. That's cool.
1: Yeah, I I do. I, I am proud of watching those old uh video ap- or TV appearances. Like I'm like, man, this is that's amazing that we were able to do It that. is amazing.
0: It's, so cool. it's it's incredible. It's like you know, the, the masses get to hear you and it's like you get to experience something that's not many people get to experience. That's cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. Thanks, man.
0: That's awesome. And, yeah, um, we
1: did. Oh, sorry.
0: Go ahead. No, go ahead. Sorry.
1: Oh, I was just going to yeah. mention just the other. We did this show called Late Night with Jonathan Ross, which was like their version of The Tonight Show.
0: Okay. And uh, the oh, guests. Oh, I know on, who he is. I know exactly who you're talking about. Jonathan I've heard, Ross, yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. The, the guests that night were Mark Wahlberg and Andrew Lloyd Webber. So I got to meet them. That's that insane.
0: Yeah. Rules. <laughs> I I just watched that for the first time. It's so
1: good. Yeah, it was great. I, I'm trying to watch all of Paul Thomas. Anderson I'm a star. Movies.
0: I'm a star. I'm a bright shining
2: star.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> great. Those so good. Um, yeah, anyway, so, and we did some, you know, other, other TV stuff, but, um, what were you going to say?
0: Oh, um, I was going to say the, um, like, do you, being on the shows in the US and being on the shows in the UK, were they just, were they real similar or were they, I mean, I know that you said that James Holland was a different animal, but like, was it just kind of like, or, and I guess too, was it, was it while you were on tour would they fly you out for these
1: yeah, good question. We did do a lot of flying over that over that period of time. So there were some things, you know, like, oh, you know, I haven't even mentioned, you know, like festivals. We did we did festivals. We did, like, Coachella and um, Lollapalooza. Oh, and there was this one in the UK, like, BBC Radio 1, Big Weekend or something. So I remember there were times where it would be, like, we had to go play this one festival. We had to, like, fly somewhere else to make an appearance of this other thing.
0: Unbelievable. So there
1: there was a lot of that kind of stuff happening. They were like squeezing our calendar as full as it could get. And we would like barely have a day off. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, as far as I mean, the the vibes of the TV shows don't feel too different in my mind, but it was more of just like the cities that we were in felt, you know, like obviously maybe it goes without saying, you know, like London has its own kind of feel, flavor, which yeah. I love it over there. Like, I, I can't wait to get back over and visit my brother. And it's been a few years since I've been, been in London. But I, I have a soft spot for London.
2: Uh,
0: yeah, same here. I've never been, but I want to go so bad. Yeah, it's amazing.
1: And and same with New York. I love going to New York. And so that yeah, I'll always associate that with like playing Letterman and like um, some of the some of the venues we played. We played like Bowery Ballroom and.
0: Dude, uh, I love that venue. That venue is awesome. Yes,
1: yeah, so we did this thing for Ray Ban. Um, it was they were releasing the uh, Club Masters. It was like their first, their like re-release or first release of Club Master sunglasses in two thousand nine we were like headlining this thing. It was like this red carpet event. It was like Kevin Bacon. And like there's just like these celebrities were at this that's thing. That's so I know. It's like what? That's
0: scary. That's, <laughs> that's crazy. Do you, do you this is a sidebar question from what I just asked you, but did you like playing shows in, in the UK better than the US or, or no, Europe a, or wherever? That's a great question.
1: So it was definitely a different like energy. Like in the UK, we were just much more well-known over there. And the crowds were, I think, more enthusiastic. It was uh, like bigger, like, yeah, bigger crowds, more enthusiastic. Oh, we did the festivals over there at Reading and Leeds and like Glastonbury. So Glastonbury was like the biggest, the biggest show I've ever played. It was like this huge sea of people. It was incredible, dude. It was incredible. But, (laughs) but the, um, but the crowds over there were just so enthusiastic and they're not, they're not pretentious, I think, in the same way that crowds over here can be. Oh, yeah. I think I think I think in North America there's more of that like I'm gonna stand here and cross my arms until you kind of prove yourself to me. Yeah. Kind of a thing. Not always, but it's more of that oh, flavor
2: yeah.
1: that like we're too cool for school. Yeah. And then but over there I didn't feel that as much. I mean maybe you could say that it's like that in London, more so than like other parts of the UK, but but they were just like, dude, we're stoked, you know? I know,
0: well, you, I've watched a million YouTube videos of, like, Glastonbury or Lee, or, you know, like, any of the other festivals, and people are just, like, losing their freaking minds, like, and it's, yeah. it's yeah. awesome, it's like, <laughs> like, there's people, like, see a sea of people just, like, losing it, and then in the U.S., it's like, meh, let's go burn this place down, <laughs> like, you know? yeah. It's, you know, yeah i know uh, that's like, it's like doesn't make any sense like
1: yeah no i mean and there were i mean you know i don't want to throw you us under the bus there were there were definitely supportive like people over here for sure totally. um it, you know it, 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 i think it's just more of that i think it's harder to break maybe over here and that's another th- difference as well is um uk is smaller and and bbc radio like they're always um oh, i was trying to find the next new thing in a good way they're always like they seem to be always supporting like new up and coming artists. At least they were back then. I don't know. I don't know if it's still true yeah. today. And so a lot of, if you look at the course of like rock history, a lot of bands, like even U.S. or artists, would get their start over there because BBC was just on it, you know, That's or you awesome. know the radio was just on it over there. And then and then once they started getting the following over there, they would like come back over here. Yeah. Like I think I think Jimi Hendrix might have been someone who was like that. And I mean, there's probably a ton a ton of examples, but
2: yeah, yeah.
1: Um, so for us, we ne- we didn't take off in the same way over here as we did there. But it's also a bigger market. Like radio, at a time, radio was super important too. So we would go and play these radio stations all, all over the country. Like in Seattle, there's like, um, is it KEXP? Is that in Seattle? Yeah, KEXP. And we would do, yeah, we would do Dave these. I
0: just one on that the other day. Okay, that's cool. It's amazing. That's such a cool radio station. Yeah, I
1: mean, I love doing those too. We would go set up our you know set up our our instruments in a radio station and like do these live shows on, on air. Um we did daytrotter too. You know, oh, day yeah Trotter. Oh, yeah. yeah I remember
2: that
1: but it's just so anyway it's just a bigger market like physically like bigger so there's just more people yeah. so it's just kind of kind of harder to to make your break. Um so anyway it just didn't take off in the same way as it did in the UK. And even yeah. now to this to this day like I'll get people Oh, they played your song, you know, on BBC radio or, well, they do play also on XMU and stuff like that over here. Yeah. But, um,
2: yeah.
1: Yeah. So we're, we're still pretty indie over here. I mean, you know, we're indie over there too, but yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. But yeah. the song
1: in the, in the UK, the album actually charted at number five. Wow. So it was like on the week that it came out. So it was up there with like Coldplay and Madonna and that That's kind of incredible. thing. And then, yeah. And the single reached number 11 in the UK. That's so cool. Um, yeah, so
0: that's awesome, man. Very cool. Yeah, man. Yeah, Sweet, man. So, uh, what do you um, after Black Kids kind of took a break or whatnot? Is that kind of what happened, or did you guys just kind of fizz, not fizzle out, but just uh, you know, you sound you sound like you guys were exhausted and tired. So, is that kind of yeah. where it went?
1: Yeah, we. So at the time, I remember we were told our management like we just need some time off for a little while, just to recuperate. Um, and they understood that, and then we got back together, oh, I, mean, I don't remember how much time we took off, maybe like I don't know a few weeks. we got back together and started trying to write songs again in jacksonville and um we did that we we were making a lot of demos. I feel like we it kind of seemed like we lost our way a little bit. We would like try a song with like it's kind of more of a disco beat, and we do we would do that for a little while, and then we'd like maybe we should try it with more of a like a a cure beat or more of a smith's beat or whatever I mean, fill in the blank or kraut rock or something and so we, we kept kind of like um you know like where i where I was saying earlier our the song boyfriend like just it just kind of came out like complete almost yeah it, it felt like hard to to finish these songs right a hit song yeah so, yeah yeah um so yeah so we did like a whole set of demos we went to Back to our friend Jesse, who was in Athens at this time, and we did a whole like uh I still have all these like MP3s that uh, never saw the light of day. We would do we were like record. we demoed, like basically like a whole album. And then um they just I think well, Reggie, like I so said, Reggie's our primary was a primary songwriter. But for a lot of those songs, I think after he sat with him for a while, he was just like not happy with them. Yeah. And so we scrapped a lot of that stuff and we would kind of start over again and like write a whole other crop of songs. So it was just, it just felt like hard at that period of time. And, um, so I, so that actually went on for, for a while. I mean, like a few years of, of trying and we we would kind of, I remember we did like a set of Florida dates in, in 2010, try to get, get back out there and play some shows. And, you know, that was cool. we would, we would try some of our new material on these shows. Like we went to Miami and played some and played in like Tampa and stuff like that um but yeah so and then for for me in my own personal life i i got married in 2010 and um i had my first kid in 2013. we we the band was still going but like so at this point it was like i think so much time had passed that like um it became clear that it wasn't going to be like the same as it was before i think like we i think we basically just let too much time go by
2: yeah
1: like if we if we had just like quickly just releasing out and, and, and in retrospect that's what should have happened it's like we should sure. have just released what we had in my opinion i mean yeah Reg, reggie and some of the others may disagree with that but i felt like i feel like in retrospect it would have been great to just record and release what we had and, re- and just move on to album number three you know yeah yeah and just keep releasing stuff even if it was like a bit of a slump yeah so but I remember. So for me, one of the last things I did with the band was in 2014. We played in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Like we were invited to do this event down there for Lucky Strike cigarettes. Actually, I think nice. it was like sponsored. It was sponsored by Lucky Strike. It was some party or something. I don't know. Awesome. It was like a big private event. Where like they're gonna pay us. They're gonna fly us down there and pay us well. And all right, let's yeah. do that. And we got to hang out in Sao Paulo. Like I again, I w- I would have never probably made it to yeah. Sao Paulo. Um, so that that was in 2014. And then, so for me, I I basically got to the point, I had a baby at that point. I kind of got to the point where I was like, I think I need to just focus on my family and and withdraw and just sort of step away from the band. So I I calling Reggie and and telling him, and he was sad, but he understood. I think he kind of saw that coming. Yeah. The starting family and stuff like that. But so he had also, around that time, moved to Athens, Georgia to start another band. So I think he was maybe losing interest in black kids as well. I don't want to speak for him, but... So so he started new musical endeavors in Athens and then Don ended up moving to Portland for a while. And yeah. Owen moved to New York Owen moved to New York City where he still yeah. lives. So the band started just kind of spreading out and uh, doing yeah, their own splintering. thing.
2: Splintering.
1: Yeah. Splintering. But they did they did reconvene. The band reconvened um in two thousand and seventeen. To record a second album which came out in 2018 yeah. called rookie
2: yeah
1: yeah it's called rookie i actually love that album like i i'm i'm its biggest fan i i was so i wasn't involved in it other, other than some of the demos that we worked on for the second album kind of morphed into some of what ended up on that record okay so i have like a little bit of a stamp on it yeah. un, like unofficially yeah yeah so and, and our dear friend jared bowser played drums on that record uh and yeah. he was amazing i mean he's, yeah, he's, he's incredible. an incredible, incredible drummer yeah so I love I love the album rookie. I uh, have the vinyl. I'm I'm the biggest fan. Um and so yeah, so so I think I think Black Kids just kind of ebbs and flows. So they, they toured behind that album. Um it was you know, it was on a smaller scale than what we did back in the day. Yeah. But but they were you know they're doing these headlining tours of like de- like decently sized venues. It just wasn't yeah. like arenas and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. So they're still you know, they're still doing well. Um and then I think got the rookie, the rookie cycle. They took a break, and you know, Reggie was doing blunt things, and Owen has his own career. He he does interior design stuff. Yeah. Um. Don has a career. You know, Ollie's doing her stuff. She's you know, everybody, they're artists. Yeah. And, their you know, everybody,
0: yeah. yeah. Everybody has their own like interests. That's um, so cool, though. That's
1: awesome. Yeah, and I, I've 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 been working in music, and and I have a design background, but I, I've been doing work for the church that we go, you and I go to, River City Church um and i still play drums so but so i i oversee the live production at, at our church so i'm I'm still involved in music just in it just looks different you know yeah but that's okay you know and so i don't know so as far as where Blackage is now um they are actually getting ready to do a few shows in the uk for the first time since we were there in 2009 um so again i'm like front row fan supporting them cheering them on totally and uh yeah, like will I ever play with them one day? I, I actually hope I think it'd be great to play again. Yeah. Play with them again one day. Yeah. Um and they know that. So they, you know, they actually asked me if I could if I would be up for doing those shows in the UK, but it just I've got three young kids and it just didn't feel like the right timing yeah. and for my yeah. with my life, and my family and stuff like that. But I was honored to have been asked and Absolutely. That's I do cool. hope I could play with them again one day. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Um, That's so
0: cool, man. What what an awesome story, man. Like, I think that's so cool. I mean, I, I really think that it's such a cool, um, it's just cool to hear a a friend have such cool experiences. And uh, like, I love how you're like, I would have never went to any of these places had I not. It's like you get to do something that you love. And, you know, it's just one of those cool opportunities. I think that's so cool. And, you know, yeah, thanks, man. Thanks, dude. you.
1: it it was definitely a um this is a cliche too but it was definitely being in the right place at the right time absolutely because there were there were bands that were more talented than us or wrote better songs or whatever but like never had any level of success you know and a lot of that is circumstantial yeah um yeah so it all just kind of came together you know and we were fortunate and we got to experience something that that a lot of like i said a lot of people don't absolutely i'll always be like grateful for that um and now, you know, my, my wife, Melissa, like we dated through that whole period of time and she would come, she came and visited us on the tours and we, Sky- it's funny, you and I are on Skype right now. But <laughs> I spent I spent so much time on Skype with Melissa dur-
0: hey, during what? that two years. <laughs> Breaking yeah. <back> memories. <laughs> yeah. It's
1: like, I know, this is my first time on Skype in a long time. It's like flashback right now.
0: I know, right?
1: Um, beyond on Skype. But I'm thankful, like Skype was like brand new back then. I'm like, yeah. Um, but it'll be like bad internet connections and it'll be like, what uh, you're freezing up? What's going on? I'm like I'm like in the hotel, like in a the hallway or the stairwell of the hotel, trying to get a decent signal. <laughs> so, so like honestly, dude, it's a miracle that we our relationship survived that for like that whole thing.
2: Yep.
1: I mean, it was just, um, but I'm grateful that she was able to like live that out with me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So that's um,
1: cool,
0: man. That's really cool. Yeah, dude.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's fun to talk about it. I appreciate you. You know. Yeah,
0: dude. Me. I was stoked. I was like, I gotta have Kevin on here, man. This is. <laughs> Like, I think it's it's just cool. I love, I love hearing the stories, and I, I wanted other people to hear them. So, uh, yeah, thanks, dude. Cool, dude. Well, I I'm appreciate sure I, you coming I, on the show.
1: Thanks, man. I'm sure I left out some, you know, oh, yeah, I'm sure like later tonight, I'll be like, oh, I should have talked about this, well, or I should have talked about that, or I forgot about what, this.
0: There's always a part two.
1: All right, man. Yeah, dude, have me, because uh, I'm I'm sure I will remember some stuff. And so, we'll have to do a part two uh, Absolutely. at some point.
0: Awesome, so, dude. Sweet. So, yeah, well, it's man. good to see you, man
1: yeah you too jeremy thanks for having me man um uh, i have one question
0: oh yes who's to say yeah you know it's funny because <laughs> i thought in my mind i would say that all the time and i just <laughs> listen <laughs> yeah. I don't know. but who is to say you, are, you are to say, say. yeah no, awesome dude all right yeah. buddy well i'll dude, talk thanks to you for having soon. Me, man all right talk to you soon all right, buddy bye-bye all right. Thanks so much for joining me on the second episode of the who's to say podcast. I would like to thank my buddy, Kevin Snow for joining me. I super enjoyed this conversation and the awesome hangout. Kevin is an amazing dude who I'm proud to call my friend. Check out Kevin's previous bands, black kids and honey Locust, If you can find any of their stuff online, that is some of the links will be in the show notes below. So thanks again. I'm really looking forward to upcoming guests we have in store. I hope you enjoy us on this journey. With that said, who's to say?